This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And welcome back to an episode of the Cool Jets podcast. We're your host Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Back with another positional breakdown. Today, we're taking a look at the offensive line. On Monday, we'll be dropping our episode on the quarterback position, talking a lot about Zach Wilson, maybe a little James Morgan and Mike White in there as well. So you don't want to miss that. Uh, and then on Thursday, we'll be dropping our training camp preview as the Jets will we'll be getting their, their training camp underway next week. So a lot happening. Stay tuned. Michael, let's talk about this offensive line. Before we hop into the individual players and some questions for the unit as a whole, how happy are you with this group? Joe Douglas has invested a lot uh, in this unit over uh, his time period as general manager, a lot this offseason. And also, I think some of the changes on the coaching staff and, and scheme-wise are definitely going to benefit this unit. So how happy are you with this unit heading into 2021? Yeah, I think the Jets did a really nice job with this group this offseason. The rebuild did kind of get started off on the wrong foot with how free agency began. They weren't able to get Joe Tooney, Corey Lindsley, um, Brandon Scherf was tagged. So a lot of those guys you wanted to, to spend that cap space on who would have been substantial, obvious upgrades were immediately off the board. Um, so they were, were put in a tough spot because of that, but they found their footing. The Vera Tucker trade was aggressive towards filling a position of need. Um, and then picking up Morgan Moses later on was a an awesome late off season addition just to raise the floor of the unit, add depth um, and improve the overall talent level. And now you go into 2021 with a unit that has a lot of potential. And it obviously kind of all starts with Makai Becton on that left side because he has so much potential. There really is no limit to how good he can be. It is conceivable that he can be a top five left tackle, maybe the best in the league at some point down the line. But obviously for him, it all comes down to health. But um, overall, the unit, I think they did uh, a nice job um, kind of finding their footing after things didn't start out too well in free agency, but I'm always, I'm going to be looking at Becton and his potential. Um, and for him, that is definitely going to come down to whether he can stay durable. I mean, definitely. I think the potential is certainly there. That's the reason he was drafted. And, you know, even though he only missed two full games last year, it was clear that the entire season he was managing his pain. And now, especially with the, the diagnosis of plantar fasciitis and one of his feet, you know, that's certainly going to be something he's going to be dealing with again this season. And, you know, if he's struggling to, to manage pain, maybe he looks at, you know, alternative medicine like CBD. And speaking of CBD, our friends at Canada, was that too obvious, Michael? Our friends at Canada Dip CBD, the nation's leading tobacco and nicotine free dip alternative with CBD, are excited to present the game of the year. Yeah, we're sellouts. Just let us read this. Canada Dip CBD is a fast acting and innovative way to consume CBD that works and tastes great and won't make 
What it won't make you play sneakachu with the wife during football season. All right. The game of the year is one winner chosen by August 31st. Entry is easy. Head to CanadaDipCBD.com and click the link or visit CanadaDip's main Instagram and look for the blue chat mark. One winner will be chosen and can bring a plus one to any regular season NFL game, airfare for two with luxury hotel lodging and great seats for the game. That's right. Candidates is randomly choosing one lucky winner for the fan experience of a lifetime. So head to candidatescbd.com and enter or go to the official at candidates Instagram and type it all the way to find out to find the blue check account. Um, so yeah, go see Zach Wilson take on Sam Darnold week one. Just go to candidatescbd.com. Yeah. Michael and I totally planned that Makai backed in line. We thought it was kind of funny, but um, we actually do have a podcast to do here. This is not just one giant ad. Um, I, I, well, I guess we should just start with Becton because he is the superstar of this offensive line. And although that was a bit of a joke, it is serious that his health is, is the top um, issue for him right now, because that potential is certainly there. And I think last year heading into the season, we were a little concerned about his floor. Maybe it was, you know, he's super raw. How is he going to be in the past game? Um, and there was clearly just some question marks about how good he was going to be as a rookie because we knew his ceiling was high, but it was like, is he going to be a guy that's going to take a year or two to develop? And that just wasn't the case. I mean, from the start of the season, he was great. And honestly, if he wasn't injured the entire year, he may have been even better. Um, the fact that he played that well while battling through that many injuries uh, is certainly a positive sign, even if he does need to drop some weight and figure that whole situation out. Uh, I don't think Becton could have had much of a better rookie season. Michael, can you just put into perspective how good he was as a rookie? Yeah, I think he had a really good season, not just for a rookie by rookie standards. I think he was still probably a borderline top 10 left tackle in that 10 to 14 range, probably. Um, he definitely wasn't elite yet, I don't think, because in pass protection, there were a couple games where the opponent had his number against the Raiders. He kind of had some trouble with Max Crosby uh, and then with Miles Garrett against the Browns. So there were a couple games like that. And if you are going to be elite, you have to be able to have that consistency every week of the season, because that's how good some of the best tackles in the league are. They just don't have those games. So he wasn't quite at that level yet, but he was still really good. And especially in the run game, you know, a lot of difference making blocks. And it's not just the highlight reel you know, knocking defenders on the ground at the second level, kind of stuff like that. And that's awesome. That's a big part of why he's great, but it was just the consistency in the run game. He didn't really have games where he struggled against the run. Um, and even just the dirty working stuff, just clearing out the edge, um, sealing guys on the backside, simple stuff like that. He did a really good job with. So uh, he's a very good player as a rookie, but there's still plenty of room for him to grow. Um, and I did mention the pass protection as, kind of what held him back but he's still really good in that area too um in most games he was a plus in pass protection um it, there was just a couple of games where you know he did ha struggle and the other guy had his number who he's blocking for the majority of that game like i mentioned crosby and garrett but in most games he was doing very well and he's also very good with his help in pass protection when he doesn't have a man he um, makes his way to the inside and he just flattens people completely takes them out of the play um, and he did that very consistently. And that's a big part of pass protection as well, in addition to the one-on-one -on -one aspect of it. So I would say he is probably like a top 10 run blocker and probably an average pass blocker for a left tackle. And for a 21-year-old rookie who was a guy who most people thought was a project, you know, a great size, great athleticism, great tools, but probably would have to adjust a little bit coming out of that Louisville offense that, you know, had a lot of motion 
a lot of play action, made things a little bit easier in the O-line. A lot of a guy who you thought was going to be who's going to take his time to develop and fulfill that potential. And he came right in and was already good. So going forward, he's still only 22, still has all those tools, still has all that room to grow. And he's already shown you a floor of being a good player. It's extremely exciting to see what he can do. Obviously it just comes down to whether he could stay healthy because last season he only missed two games, but I believe he only had nine out of the 14 he played where he didn't miss a single snap. So that's really problematic. It was, wasn't just the games he missed. He was in and out of games. He was questionable going into games. So obviously the health is important, yeah. but from an on-field perspective, there was a lot to love. Yeah. And just like you mentioned, because he wasn't able to complete games and he was going out for series at a time and plays at a time that affects the entire offensive line, because you always, the jets were constantly dealing with um, new players at that offensive line spot, at that left tackle position, probably the most important position of the line, constantly plugging in George Fant, plugging in Chuma Doga, Connor McDermott. Uh, and it just didn't really allow for the offensive line to, to garner much chemistry. Obviously, that was an issue throughout the entire offensive line. But when your left tackle is constantly out of the game, it's just hard to get in any sort of rhythm. Uh, and, but like you said, I mean, Beckton's an amazing player. And he would fit well in any scheme, any offensive line scheme. But I think in this uh, John Benton, Michael floor scheme in particular, he's going to have a lot of success. You look at what John Benton did with one of the best left tackles in the league, if not the best left tackle in Trent Williams um, last year, I think Andrew golden wrote a great article at jets yeah. factor about how the jets can weaponize Makai Beckton, use him as an offensive line, as an offensive weapon, which you don't really hear much for, for an offensive lineman. The jets can get Makai Beckton out in space. Like you mentioned, get to the second level uh, and just completely open up running lanes. And obviously I think the biggest thing that was surprising to me was how good he was as a pass protector last year. Obviously he had some games, you know, against miles Garrett where he gave up a few sacks or whatnot, but by and large, for the most part, edge defenders couldn't get around him. I mean, he was flat out uh, better than, than what I expected. And, you know, the entire 2020 jets team was about, was probably worse than I expected in every facet, except for Quinn Williams and Mackay Becton. Both those guys um, played much better than I thought they would. And I had high expectations for both of them. Um, so really excited to watch his development. But like you said, he's got to watch the weight. He's got to stay on the field. And if he does, there's no reason why he can't be the best left tackle in all football. You know, Tristan Wirfs, uh, right tackle, and Jedrick Wills, left tackle, both had good rookie seasons. Um, but none of them have the ceiling that Mekhi Becton has. Um, so really excited to watch him develop, especially in this scheme. And a big thing that's going to help him is the guy who gets to play alongside him, uh, and Elijah Vera Tucker. And I think that, to me, um, was maybe my favorite moment of Joe Douglas's tenure, because I think we had this preconceived notion going into the draft, honestly, just going into the off season as a whole, that based off the 2020 off season, that Joe Douglas is a really frugal measure GM. He's not going to take many chances. He's going to build this the slow way. And those are for the most part true. I mean, he draws his line in the sand. He's a very measured thinker. He doesn't rush into anything. Um, but he showed that he's going to take chances when he thinks it's worth it. You know, he's not going to be a GM that's just going to sit on his hands his entire tenure. He's going to be a guy who goes out and gets it when he, when he likes um, something, especially when you have 22 picks in the next two drafts, not all those guys can make the roster might as well. You know, the, the benefit to having all those picks is that you can move up and get a guy you, you really love. And when we saw in the flight 2021 doc that the jets releases, Elijah Vera Tucker was one of the jets favorite players, if not Joe Douglas's um, favorite offensive lineman. Um, 
you know, I guess maybe Sewell will be number one, but Vera Tucker is certainly a blue chip prospect for him. And a guy that I, I know Joe Douglas was excited, excited and ecstatic to land. And especially since you get to pair him next to Makai Becton, I mean, you look at what the Seahawks did, um, you know, with Walter Jones and, and the blocking they were able to create um, for Sean Alexander. That's what the Jets can do um, with Makai Becton and, and Vera Tucker. Those running lanes are going to be prevalent for whoever's back there. And Zach Wilson's complete blind side, not just his left tackle, is going to be um, secure. Uh, I just, the unit as a whole is going to function a lot better if the left side is secure because that allows Connor McGovern to maybe at times focus more on the right side of things. I mean, it just has a ripple effect across the entire offensive line. Both Becton and Vera Tucker and McGovern, for that matter, are going to get better um, from this. Um, but here's a question for you, Mike. Is it fair to expect a Becton-like rookie season for Vera Tucker? Whereas going into last year, I think you and I were both like, hey, look, it's a rookie offensive lineman. He's going to take his lumps. He might not be great year one. You're just looking to see some great moments and some maybe some consistency down the line. And then you can project him to have a much better second season. But when Becton hit the ball out of the park, along with two other great rookie offensive linemen last year, although they were tackles, Vera Tucker's a guard. He's going to be working in the interior, a little different of a situation. Is it fair to expect a, a, you know, out of the gates, you know, pro bowl type season or damn near close to it, a great season from, from Vera Tucker, or, or is it more apt to say that, look, he's going to struggle. You're just looking to see that development. It's really interesting because, you know, like I sort of talked about, Becton was not that guy. We were going to be totally okay if he was, you know, even bad as a rookie, just if there were some flashes, you would be able to accept if, okay, he struggles as a rookie, he's got to work on his technique and it'll come, he'll come into his own with time, but we see the physical dominance. We would have been okay with that sort of season, but he didn't do that. And Vera Tucker is kind of the opposite prospect. Um, he definitely has plenty of physical upside in his own right. Obviously not to Becton's extent, but he's a guy who has the technique and the fundamentals um, and just a proven track record of production at multiple positions um, to where he does seem like a high floor guy. It's kind of hard to picture him not being good because he has so many finer points of his game already very refined as he comes into, as he comes into the league. Um, so Veritaker does seem like the prospect who has a great chance of playing well right away. But you know, the thing is that, the narratives don't always play out exactly as you expect them to with Becton being an example, a guy who you thought was a developmental long-term guy, young tools, all that stuff. He's going to struggle and it'll take him time. And then the opposite happens with him. Um, and then I think with the one rookie tackle of the, the top four in the first round who struggled was Andrew Thomas with the giants. He was the first one taken of the group. And I think he was largely seen as that kind of high floor guy who should have, a good chance of succeeding and he was by far the worst and he was pretty bad. So that's the thing. Vera Tucker definitely seems like that, but you never know how things are going to play out. Uh, weird things happen in sports. It's not always as um, the way things play out. Isn't always as similar to how you expect them to. Um, but with that being said, I do think Vera Tucker has a good chance to be uh, at least a good starter um, in his rookie season. And he is one year ahead of Beckton as well but but i think that's the important thing we're going to keep comparing him to becton because that's who as jets fans we saw here um he's the one guy we pay attention to last season so we're saying okay if becton can do it vera tucker's definitely going to do it it doesn't always work like that just comparing to one other guy who's in the same situation he might not be good it's definitely possible but i do think he um without a doubt has a good chance just because of how 
good he is technically in so many areas with his hands, the way he frames guys, his feet. He has the athleticism that's necessary in the scheme. So he's a good scheme fit. That's important too. Um, so I think he does have a good chance of succeeding right away, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think he's going to be good as a rookie. Uh, I think that one, Joe Douglas knows his offensive line. And I think that was kind of his MO is that not only is he a super high floor guy, but he's a guy that has a tremendously high ceiling. I mean, a lot of people have come out and said that this guy is a future pro bowler and that the Jets got a, a, a bona fide stud. And I think that, you know, it, it was clear that Joe Douglas had some sort of framework for a trade with uh, with Minnesota, but it wouldn't have surprised me if Vera Tucker went sooner than that. I think he is a, you know, the expectations that he's going to come out and be good as a rookie. Maybe that's a little unfair because he's coming in and, and Beckton had such a good rookie year. And look, Vera Tucker even played left tackle last year, so he didn't even play, he hasn't played left guard in two years now. And well, he, he played a little bit, but um, I think he certainly projects better as a left guard. And he showed, showed that his, his, um, first few years of college. I think that, uh, you know, there are some question marks. It's like, okay, well, like he was also in the PAC 12 and certainly, I mean, like Sewell is also another PAC 12 offensive lineman. There've been plenty of good PAC 12 offensive linemen, um, as rookies, but it's like, would you feel more comfortable if he was a guy coming from a big 10 school or an sec school or something like that? Those are like nitpicky things that you could maybe find issues with. Um, but I think for the most part, if he stays healthy, Vera Tucker should be very good. I think it also helps him that he's playing next to Becton and he's also playing next to a, a veteran in Connor McGovern. I think that's going to help um, his transition to the league. I'm certain that, you know, there are benefits and, and weaknesses to, to um, benefits and cons to, to being on the interior. One, I guess he's not going to be relied as, uh, as much to have those one-on-ones that Becton at left tackle was going to have, but being in the interior, Vera Tucker is going to face some of the strongest men in the entire league. And that is generally, you know, more so for interior defensive linemen, but the same goes for interior offensive linemen at times is that that's where you, you, it takes a year to develop, to get used to that NFL strength. I think for an offensive lineman, it's a little easier. He has a good left tackle and a veteran center next to him. So I anticipate Vera Tucker to be quite good as a rookie. I think him and Becton are going to open up some massive running lanes for the jets. I think that's something they can really utilize. I also love his athleticism. You can pull him a lot. Um, you can have a lot of fun with both him and Becton. You can put them out in space. They're both perfect scheme fits. I mean, that's, that's the other thing is Vera Tucker. There were some good offensive linemen, you know, you, that the jets could have maybe waited and taken in the second round or in, even in the third round, but there weren't many that were as good there. I don't think there even was a single one that was as good as Vera Tucker and as, as good of a scheme fit as he is, especially at that left guard spot, which was such a need for the jets. Um, but speaking of the veteran that's going to be on the right side of him, Connor McGovern was a guy that you and I, Michael, were both excited about. I thought he was a good free agent signing for the Jets in 2020. You know, he was coming off a great 2019 season with the, with the Broncos and the Jets have had, you know, before 2017, a great history of, of, of center play. I mean, going from Kevin White and Nick Mangold, the last two decades, the Jets have had great center play and it's, it's carried their offensive line and their, their run game as a whole. And so McGovern was a sign that, okay, the Jets are investing back in this position. You know, maybe he's not Kevin Meyer and McMangle, but this is a very good center. Um, but he struggled last year. And do you think that was more so, look, he didn't have a training camp. There was an all new offensive line. The chemistry was hard. It was, you know, a, a challenging scheme. Maybe um, it seemed like some of the things he was great at in 2019, he struggled with in 2020. So what were your thoughts on Connor McGovern's 2020 season? And does it give you any hope um, heading into 2021 that he can turn things around? Well, I, I think the biggest thing on an overall level is that he's not a bad player. Even the way he played last season, he's not bad. Um, there are some 
aspects of his PFF grade that weren't great. It's easy to look it up and say that he was really bad. And, and there were some games where he did really struggle, but I think he definitely is underrated by his PFF grade um, because I think they knocked his pass protection a little bit too much. He gave up a lot of pressure, but a lot of it wasn't entirely his fault. He was giving up uh, stunts, blitz pickups, things like that, um, in which he definitely needed to do a better job. He's great at those things with the Broncos in 2019, just recognition, awareness, pickups, all that stuff. He was really good at, and he definitely was not as good this past season. He needs to be better at that. Um, and you could blame the guys next to him as much as you want. He did struggle in that area, and he needs to get better. But with that being said, he did kind of get put in the spotlight for giving up pressures, um, which knocked his grade down and kind of um, pointed, made him pop off the screen a little bit more as a fan watching for struggling. He had a lot of plays like that where it wasn't entirely his fault, whether it was um, Alex Lewis, Greg Van Rowen, whoever was playing next to him, Pat Elfine, Josh Andrews near the end of the season. Um, those guys were contributing to making him look bad, not passing off a stunt correctly, not picking up a blitz when they should have and making McGovern have to come over and pick it up late when it shouldn't even actually be his man, stuff like that. So I think there's a combination of things in the passing game. Yes, he needs to be better, um, but he also was kind of hung out to dry a little bit by the guys next to him. And you could feel confident that he is going to get better because um, it wouldn't just be magical improvement. He was good in 20, very good as a pass protector in 2019 with the Broncos, especially at um, the mental aspect of the game, which is where most of his issues were last season and one-on-one pass protection. He was still pretty good last year. It was just the, the pickups. So he does have to get better, but I think uh, a lot of his struggles were overblown a little bit because there weren't, wasn't all his fault. Um, but in the run game, exactly. I, th- I think he was really good last season in the run game. He's not necessarily an enforcing run blocker, but he's a perfect fit for the scheme to his athleticism. He's a great reach blocker, um, being able to um, get over to the guy next to him, whether that's the three technique or the two eye technique, um, just getting lateral along the line of scrimmage and picking up that guy to the outside of him, getting his hips around him, sealing him to the backside. He's very good at that very quick off the line um and obviously as the guy snapping the ball you should be able to get off the ball quickly um but he not all centers have that athleticism we've seen plenty of unathletic centers on this team in recent years mm-hmm. and mcgovern is not like that he's very a very good mover as smooth hips gets off the ball quickly lateral quickness all that stuff um He's not the best run blocker in the league because, like I said, he's not necessarily an enforcing guy in terms of power. Uh, And I think getting vertically to the second level, he's not that great at framing and picking guys up. But moving laterally down the line of scrimmage, he's really good. And that's what this offense is going to be built around. So uh, another guy who is a really good scheme fit. Um, So overall with McGovern, I think you should feel comfortable that you're getting an average center at worst maybe a little bit below average if he doesn't improve his pass protection um but if he can get his pass protection back to where it was in 2019 specifically the mental part of the game picking up blitzes passing off and picking up stunts things like that um he does have top 10 center ability that's where he was for the broncos um and he obviously fell off from that but he can get back there but i think at the worst you're getting an average center who's uh good in the run game specifically with outside runs um and not 
not good in pass protection because of those um, awareness issues, but at least one-on-one protection is still good in that area. So yeah. I am a Connor McGovern fan. I think he's more of a positive than a negative for this line in, in this scheme, especially. Definitely. I, I think that the encouraging part of things is that he was good on the mental side in 2019. And then his physical side this year, it was definitely not bad. And look, he was playing alongside, like you said, a bunch of bums and there was a new offensive line, a different scheme for him, guys who didn't have a training camp together. So you'd have to imagine that those mental lapses will be fewer and far between this year, just because he's playing, he's played to get next to Van Roden. I think Vera Tucker's an upgrade from Alex Lewis. I think the scheme, like you said, fits him excellently. Um, excellent. And I think the other thing to, to keep in mind, you kind of mentioned a little bit is that the jets could have went out and signed Corey Lindsley in the off season. I mean, now look, maybe he would have chose the charges anyways. Um, but they weren't even interested. They didn't even call Corey Lindsley. And that was a guy that a lot of people thought the jets would go after because he was great in green Bay under Michael Floor's brother. Um, and the jets didn't even call him. So that, and they didn't even look at a center in the draft as well. So I think that. Right. And, and to of, add to that point, I think, the center position was really strong in free agency. There were not, there were not a lot of guards. Um, there are not a lot of good guards available, but if the jets did want to improve the line. There were a lot of decent centers like David Andrews um, is an example of one. Um, there, there were plenty of good centers. So they could have signed. If just they, David Andrews was just in the chamber and nothing else. <laughs> no, I, I'm telling you, like I, the names aren't coming to mind, um, oh but okay. there were okay. a bunch of good centers. Um, so they could have, gone with one of those options move McGovern over to guard but um like I think your point is a good one that they wanted McGovern uh to stick there at center Alex Mack Ted yeah there you go Matt Skura that's another one I I was thinking of Ted Karras um so yeah there were some decent centers yeah so I think clearly when Sal's coaching staff sat down with the personnel department and they went over each player and were trying to, you know, think of their role in the team. If they want him on this team, I think McGovern was a guy that they certainly like his fit in this offense. And, you know, he was going to be on the roster probably no matter what he was the only guy, the only free agent, I believe that they signed last year that had any sort of guarantees into this season. Um, And they kept him around. Obviously he was going to stick around, but there was thoughts that maybe they could bump him to guard. They clearly like his fit at center. Um, So you know, we'll see how it works out, but I like his, I like his projection a lot more this season. I think he will have a bit of a bounce back season. Even if he wasn't awful last year, I think you're going to see much better center play from the jets. Now it seems like the jets offensive line um, goes from best to worst and it goes left to right. Well, maybe not completely, but once you get to that right side, because I think a right tackle is better than a right guard, but once you get to the right set, right side of that offensive line, I think that's where some question marks pop up mostly at that guard spot. Um, and Greg Van Roden. He's the one piece of this offensive line that I'm not legitimately excited about. Um, however, there's been some chatter that this scheme fits him better. Um, and he wasn't God awful last year. He certainly had his, his moments, his, his peaks and valleys. Um, I guess put his 2020 season into perspective. How bad was it? And do you think the scheme is going to fit him a lot better than Adam Gase's inside zone blocking scheme was? I honestly do think Van Roden is pretty underrated and that's not me saying he's good. But I think he kind of gets lumped in with a lot of the, you know, absolute bums the Jets have had in their offensive line. Like like Pat Elfine, Josh Andrews last season, terrible. You can bash those guys all you want. They're horrible. Alex Lewis? I, Alex Lewis? Not quite at their level. But I think even he is probably below Van Roten, to me, at least in my opinion. Um, I'm not saying Van Roten's good. He's below average. But I think 
if he's the Jets starting right guard, I think he's better than probably 10 other starting right guards in the league, which isn't a ringing endorsement or anything like that. But I'm just saying, I don't think he's the worst, worst starter on an offensive line in the league because that's what he's probably going to be unless Vera Tucker really struggles as a rookie. Van Rowen is going to be your worst starter, assuming he does start at right guard and not someone else. Um, and I think you could do a lot worse um, having your weakest link on your line being the you know 20th to 24th or so best starter at his position in the league. So I don't think he's good, but I also don't think he's as bad as a lot of people think he is. To start last season, and, and that's kind of the thing. I think the totality of a season last year was kind of that, but it was also sectioned a little bit. To start last season, the first few games, he was that bad. He allowed, I believe, the first five games of the season, the most pressures among guards. But then from that point on, he was pretty solid in pass protection, allowed um, very low pressure numbers. Um, and that helped save him from a really bad start to the season. So um, I guess maybe fans kind of remembered that stretch in the beginning of the season a little bit against the Bills, the Colts, Broncos, Niners, those first few games. Um, and then kind of didn't give him a chance to fix it over the rest of the year because he was able to do that. So um, I don't think Van Roten's good, but I, I do think this is another guy who should benefit from the scheme. He is a pretty athletic guy. Um, his combine numbers aren't readily available and he is um, in his thirties now. Um, so it's hard to kind of gauge that in terms of concrete evidence, but you watch him play. He is a good athlete and polling was a big part of his game, which you know, it's not a major aspect of a wide zone offense, but it is a testament to his athleticism. Um, so I think this should benefit him pretty well. I'm, I'm not as bullish on it as, you know, some of the other guys, because like Vera Tucker, Becton, McGovern are great athletes. I don't think Van Roden is that, but it's a fairly good fit for him, I think. And just specifically in pass protection, he started off really badly last year, but he got better. So bottom line, Van Roden, I don't think he's, terrible but he's below average and that i think that's okay for the for the fifth best guy in your line yeah and look if he's awful the jets do have some options yeah um and one of them includes the guy who's playing to his right presumably is morgan moses at right tackle you've been a big proponent of maybe sliding moses into right guard and then putting fan at right tackle because fan in this game is a better fit at right tackle than van roden is a good fit at right guard even though they're both solid scheme fits fan would seem to fit the scheme um, to more of an extent than Van Roden, but Morgan Moses out of the three of those guys is probably the best player and tackles probably more important than guard. Um, but you've expressed some sort of concern that maybe he's a little overhyped by Jets fans. There is a reason Washington cut him. It'll be a different system. He was a bit of a one-year wonder, but his last year, particularly, particularly in run blocking, um, was outstanding. I mean, he had a great season for Washington last year. And if he can bring anything that resembles that type of season to the Jets, you know, obviously we know that the left side of the line is, is secure. I, like you, am, am pretty confident in Connor McGovern having a bit of a bounce back season. Van Roten, you know, if he can just be okay, I, I'm good with that. But the right tackle to me is the biggest X factor of this line. Can Morgan Moses repeat from last year? Uh, and if he doesn't, are you looking at sliding him to right guard and fan there? I mean, there's a lot of question marks, but do you think that Morgan Moses can be can repeat the type of season he had last year in this wide zone scheme? Yeah, I, I just feel like Van Rowen, I think, um, because of his grading, I believe he was the number five right tackle, five or six, 
Um, I think that's overselling him a little bit. Um, I don't think he did play quite that well. And it also is an outlier from the rest of his career where he's typically been around average or a little bit above. Um, so I guess best case scenario, he could fall in right between there, maybe borderline top 10. Um, and if he falls in line with where most of his career has been, he's probably average or slightly above, which is still an upgrade over fan and still the best this team has had in a very long time. So um, that that's just where I, I am with him. I think he's not necessarily a superstar addition. If he was Washington wouldn't have released him and there would be more demand for him and he would have made more money on the open market. Um, but I think with that, with all that being said, he's still a good player. Um, and I, I, I do think in this scheme, he can play pretty well. I, I think it would be a better allocation of talent to move him inside, put fan at right tackle, but um, he's still, even though Moses isn't a good athlete, his combine numbers, or at least on paper, his combine numbers weren't good um, six, seven years ago. Now he's in his thirties. Um, when you watch him, he doesn't look like as bad of an athlete as those numbers say he did have a lot of really good plays in space. He's good at framing guys because I think that's, what's important. It's athleticism is great, but even if you're not the best athlete, if you could just target the right area on the field, anticipate where you need to be and meet the defender at the right spot, then you can make a lot of good blocks in space, even if you're not the fastest guy. And I think he is pretty good at that. So I think still in the scheme, he should be pretty good in the run game. Um, but uh yeah, I think Moses is an upgrade over Fant. It's great for depth purposes because Fant is a huge upgrade as a backup over Chuma Idoga or Connor McDermott. Um, but I, I would keep expectations tempered a little bit. I don't think he's a top five guy, um, but he's still pretty good. And then lastly, George Fant, who kind of got the short end of the stick here because I think maybe it was two days before they signed Morgan Moses, I was reading an article on him on the Jets website. And he was talking about how the scheme was built for him and he's going to have a breakout season. He was so excited and he's been kind of pushed a little bit to, you know, to the swing tackle six offensive line role, presumably, unless they do something with Moses at guard. Um, but on this team with the amount of injuries the Jets have faced on the offensive line the last few years, he will certainly be playing. And you and I talked about in the tight ends episode, there's a little confusion about this, how, you know, when the Jets go to 12 personnel, instead of maybe bringing in a, a second tight end, especially if there's an injury at that group, they could just use a six offensive lineman, um, not necessarily a tight end, but line them up against, uh, you know, next to one of the tackles, have six offensive linemen in when they would otherwise be in 12 personnel, something like that. Just use more six offensive line sets. Um, and I think Fan is perfect for that role because he can play right side, he can play left side. He's super athletic, so he can get out in space for you. You can use him a lot on on poles and different traps and you know, he's uh, definitely a benefit. And I would even go as far to say he's one of the best swing tackles in the league just for that role. Obviously, he was an okay right tackle, which was honestly a pretty good scenario for us heading into to last year. I think there was a lot of fear that he was going to be god-awful. And he ended up, you know, he was a captain. And he ended up having an okay season, certainly not a great season or anything. But he's certainly a, a very good swing tackle. Um, what type of role do you think he will have? I mean, how much can he affect this unit um, and, and how excited are you to see him in those six offensive line sets? I, I was really excited to see him start because I think he is right. The scheme is great for him, especially because, you know, if we're talking about running this offense through Becton and making him, you know, running to the left a lot, having him as the lead blocker, then I think that benefits Fant really well too, because 
I think the best of his work last season was as a backside blocker. Um, when the run was going away from him, he did a really good job of keeping the backside edge defender out of the play, not giving him a chance to come from the backside um, and stop the play. That's what he was really good at. So I think that would complement, you know, running behind Becton really well. So um, I am a little disappointed we won't get to see fans start, but it's it's almost a guarantee we'll see him start a game at some point between, I mean, Moses has been really durable, but you never know. He's into his thirties. And then with Becton, obviously he has his questions and, and really regardless of who you're talking about, what their track records are, injuries are pretty likely for every team. So we'll probably see him start at some point, but I do wonder how much they'll use him in that six offensive lineman role, throwing him on the field as, you know, that pseudo tight end, because I, I feel like it's something that you might, it's a situation where maybe you would prefer instead of doing that, you just protect his health and value him as that backup tackle more so than what he could provide in that role. He did a good job in that role for the Seahawks, but you know, you're, you've got a rookie quarterback. You really want to protect him. Do you want to risk the health of your backup tackle playing tight end as that six offensive lineman? Maybe it's not a risk they want to take. And then maybe from a personnel standpoint, you know, if you're running 12 personnel, you're putting out one running back, two tight ends and only two wide receivers. And you're doing that a lot because you're putting fan out there. Then you're taking some snaps away from your wide receivers. And that's the strength of this offense, because when fan was doing that with the Seahawks, they were a run heavy offense. Um, and they, you know, they had good wide receivers, but they weren't deep at wide receiver. Like in 2019, they had Lockett, they had Metcalf and that's about it at wide receiver. So they could run a lot of 12 personnel because you could take a third wide receiver off the field. You still got your two best guys out there. That third wide receiver isn't that good anyway. Um, And then you put fan in there and it could help your run game from a jets perspective. The entire strength of this offense is the wide receiver room. I would say it's pretty inarguable. You have five wide receivers who are better than any tight end or probably, probably running back you have. So I think it, it might not be the best, way to distribute your talent if you're taking away a lot of uh, snaps from whether it's Denzel Mims, Crowder, Cole, Moore, Corey Davis, whoever it is, and just to put Fan on the field or to put Herndon or Croft on the field if you're running a lot of 12 personnel valuing putting tight ends out there. So I think it could be an 11 personnel heavy offense where you run a lot of just one back, one tight end, and three wide receivers. Um, So I'm interested to see how, if they do decide to use Fan that role at all, because it's not something before and the 49ers did uh, during his time there, but it is something he offers. Um, really interested to see what happens, but most of all, uh, I am excited to, not that I want to see someone get injured. Obviously I don't, but um, at some point he probably will get a chance to start. And I am interested to see how well the scheme does benefit him once he does. And then rounding out the group, um, Chuma Doga, Alex Lewis, Dan Feeney, Cameron Clark. Those are probably your, safest bets to make the roster next would be Corey levin tristan hoge grant hermans jimmy murray and tetan saltes how do you feel about the depth on this unit outside of george fan i think that's definitely a question mark and i think that's the biggest reason morgan moses is such a great addition because now you have fan as a part of this group it looks a lot better before you had fan starting no moses then this was a big question mark you know, Makai Beckton or George Fant goes down. Two guys who have durability questions. Then you've got to throw Chuma Idoga or Connor McDermott out there. 
which is what they did last season, and the results were awful. It's not a good spot to be in, but now you have Fant there. It looks a lot better, but the rest of these guys are definitely a question mark. Udoga is really bad. It's just flat out. There's not much to say there, um, especially his penalties. His frequency, his penalties in his career has been awful. And, that, and that's been his- he said. Yeah, go ahead. That, well, that's been a trait of, of Joe Douglas' offensive linemen. You've noticed they've all brought in extremely right. low penalty numbers. Yeah, that's definitely been like Greg except, Van Roo honestly, except for last year. Right, except for Moses is the one except guy they've Moses. signed that has some sort of, you know, he seems to have some issues with false starts. But between Connor McGovern, Van Roten, Vera Tucker, Becton, um, all those guys, even Alex Lewis to an extent, uh, well, not as much Alex Lewis, but those guys that he's brought in the last two years have all been, for the most part, penalty free. Yeah, it's definitely been a, a consistent part of what he's done. And Idoga obviously is a Mac guy, so it doesn't fit into that. Um, Connor McDermott, uh, he's pretty bad. Like, like some of the backups, it's not even to me worth getting into their specific strengths and weaknesses or anything because they're backups for a reason. And when they've played for the Jets, like McDermott has had three starts for the past couple of years. Idoga started a few games, and it's just always a noticeable noticeable drop off when those guys come in and they're just really big liabilities so um that is the question mark the death in this team then on the interior dan feeney is going to be interesting because he did enough to start for the chargers over the last three years every single game um played a guard then moved to center but as a starter he wasn't good he gave up more pressures than any interior offensive lineman in the league over the last three years. But at the same time, now you have a backup who was a 16 game starter over the last three years, but he wasn't a good starter. So what are you getting out of him as a backup? Is he going to be better than most other backups are, or is he just going to come right in and be pretty bad? Like he was the last three years. Um, So it'll be, but he's also another guy who should fit well into this scheme. He's a good athlete. Um, I know you look at him, it doesn't really seem like that's the kind of game he plays, but athleticism actually is um, the crux of his game. Um, the depth, though, in this unit is is a question mark, but but at the same time, I feel like it's hard for it not to be. I don't know how many teams look at their backup offensive line and be like, yeah, we're in really good shape. We have so many good backup offensive linemen on this team. It, it's just something you got to live with, and it's why health is so important. Uh, for for any position in football, but offensive line especially. So let's hop into some questions about the unit as a whole. Um, by the way, I agree with you on on the the depth side of things. The big X factor to many people is Cam Clark, a fourth rounder, and a Joe Douglas guy. A guy, you know, that was kind of the the mo on Clark at least to the middle of the season was okay. He's probably going to redshirt this season, um, but Joe Douglas knows his offensive lineman, especially his late round offensive lineman. Clearly, Clark was going to be a project. You know, the fact that he didn't play at all especially with the, the issues the Jets are having, not only on their offensive line, but specifically at that guard spot, certainly means he was pretty bad in practice last year and wasn't ready at all. But it's kind of what you expected, taking a guy from, from Charlotte day three. They took him for, you know, the, th- the, the player that he could become. So he's a guy to keep an eye out for. Um, but let's talk about this, this unit as a whole. I think the biggest impact – well, maybe I shouldn't say, well, you know what I will say? The biggest impact on this unit, the biggest change they've made was not anybody that they brought in as a player, rather who they brought in as a coach, John Benton, going to implement, like we said, that wide zone scheme. He's also the running game coordinator coming over um, from San Francisco as their offensive line coach. Can you just talk about what he did for, for San Francisco? 
um, the last few years and how much of an upgrade the Jets just made at that O-line um, position coach, which you can make an argument is the most uh, important position coach uh, across the league. Um, you know, when you look at what the, the Patriots have been able to do with Scaramucci, what the um, Pittsburgh Steelers have been able to do with Mike Munchak, if you have a good offensive line coach and you're able to make it so that next man up mentality really does apply to your offensive line, that there's never really going to be complete disasters on that line, you know, the, the ceiling for your team goes way up, but the floor of your team um, is certainly much higher. If you can just have an okay offensive line. And a lot of that is attributed to the offensive line coach. Yeah. The offensive line coach has a lot of say in the, the tech, the collective technique of the offensive line, just the way they pick up stunts and blitzes and things, the way they drop back into their pass sets, use their hands. Um, just, I've, I've seen a lot of commentary about just the input that specific offensive line coaches will have in the way that their unit plays. So it, it is one of the more important position coaches, especially because it's one, it's one of the position groups that has the most connection and camaraderie between them. Obviously every position group does to an extent, but these are five guys playing every play right next to each other. Well, there's so, five guys playing as one for the most part. Yeah. So it it's, Definitely, I, I think it is the most important position coach uh, of them all, uh, ex- except maybe the quarterback coach in terms of development if you have a young guy. But other than that, offensive line is probably the one. And John Ben has done a really good job in San Francisco over the last four years. He helped them develop the reputation that they put together as a team that can run the ball really well, um, establish that play action game off of that run game. Uh, and it all started with the development he fostered there and it wasn't like he had amazing talent there and they did accumulate pretty good talent but the year before he got there the Niners did not have a good offensive line the collective PFF grade of their offensive lineman in 2016 was fourth worst in the league then over the four years that Benton was there their collective PFF grade of their offensive lineman was seventh best in the league uh in the first year he was there they instantly turned around from a bottom five sort of unit to a a top 10 kind of unit. And they returned three of the same starters and the two guys they added as starters weren't even high value ads. They added um, Tomlinson from Detroit, Lacken Tomlinson, who was a pretty much a bust of a first round pick. And they added a veteran. I forgot he was a first uh, round pick and Brandon Fusco at the other guard spot. And they kept the other three guys and they turned around completely just with those two changes so the Jets now he's coming into a unit that was bad last year but has a lot more talent than that group did that he went into they have Becton they have Barrett Tucker Moses McGovern so if he can do this you know have this forge the same sort of turnaround that he did over there with this talent that the Jets have then there's a lot of potential for how far they can go but uh, the work he did with San Francisco is promising. I do think it is worth noting that, you know, the Jets had Frank, Frank Pollock as their offensive line coach, and he kind of came in with the same sort of resume in terms of um, doing a great job with offensive line development. So it doesn't always work out as much as you would hope. Yeah, well, hey, Mackay Becton looked pretty damn good for a rookie. So some of that has to, yeah, some credit has to go there, to Pollock. And there's some credit to him for that too. So uh, we'll see what happens. It's not always a lock that everything goes on the positive end of the spectrum. But um, John Benton definitely comes in with a good resume. 
And I know you're not necessarily an offensive line expert, but what would you say are the biggest differences between the inside zone blocking scheme that Frank Pollock and Adam Gase were running last year to the wide zone offensive scheme that John Benton and Michael Floor are going to be running? Yeah, like you said, I won't pretend to be an offensive line expert, especially offensive line. I feel like it's one of the most technical, really niche positions in the game, which you really have to dedicate to that specifically to know what's going on. But I do think in terms of the blocking scheme, just the most basic difference is that it's a lot more athleticism based. Um, I think inside zone, even though it has zone in the name, like outside zone, inside zone is a lot more condensed, a lot more vertical. It really is just kind of a variant of, you know, power, power runs inside runs. Well, whereas outside zone or wide zone, like the jets will be running presumably if they do what the Niners did is, you know, a lot more lateral horizontal attacking the edges. Uh, so athleticism is going to be a lot more important because you want to be able to get off the ball, um, get down the line scrimmage, reach guys, get around them. So I think, you know, at the most basic, it's definitely much less about power, more about athleticism. And the jets have a lot of guys who fit that. So uh, I think that's one of the biggest credits of the way that they built this unit is that they've really valued, um, at, at least with the moves they made this offseason, they've really valued scheme in terms of the way they built it. There are a lot of scheme fits like Dan Feeney. I don't love Dan Feeney, but this is a good scheme for him. Um, and then obviously the most important, Elijah Vera Tucker, great scheme fit. Like I, it's still hard to believe they got him. I he It never seemed like he's going to be on the table 23. And obviously he wasn't, but the fact that, they got aggressive and went up and got them is um, say what you want about the value of it in terms of what they gave up. But um, he's a great fit in this scheme. He's just in terms of his measurables, his measurables in terms of his height, his weight, what he did in the three cone, the broad jump, all this stuff is like dead on with what the 49ers had and their starting guards. So he's just made for this scheme. He's going to be a great fit. Like I said, McGovern, McGovern, I think this is awesome for him as well. So I think the Jets have plenty of athleticism to run this offense effectively. Is there anybody, I mean, I guess Moses is the obvious answer, but is there anybody in this this offensive line that you're concerned about their fit in this scheme? Or do you think Joe Douglas has done a pretty good job meshing their scheme to the, to the talent they already had and, and the talent they brought in? Yeah, I, I would say Moses is probably the question mark. I still think he'll be good. I just don't think this offense is the best way to showcase his skill set because I feel like in Washington, what he did best was, you know, down blocking, climbing to the second level, more of that inside stuff. But there are a lot of his best moments are pulling to the outside, getting to the second level. So I think he can still be good. It, it's just a little bit of a projection because we haven't necessarily seen him do it at, uh, at as high of a volume as the Jets will be asking him to do it. So I would go with him. Um, that's probably it though. It's Adelga? the scheme fits here are Lewis. I mean, <laughs> Lewis probably is. Yeah, I would say Lewis would be a concern. He's definitely more of a grittier Clark power sort of guy. Clark. Yeah, I, I guess maybe I'd throw Clark in there. I mean, he's too. tackle experience, but he, yeah, he's more of a man power type of offensive line. Man. Yeah, so I Clark really could be in trouble because of that. He's not a bad athlete, but it's definitely the most impressive aspect of his game is more so um, his, his strength and his power more so than his movement skills. Um, so I'd say Clark Lewis, Moses, 
probably they come to mind first. It, uh, Clark is a really interesting guy to watch in, in training camp because he's the type of guy, if he has a great preseason, he could legitimately maybe not earn a start. Well, hell, he could earn a starting role this, this season, but uh, I think that's probably a long shot, but he can legitimately earn himself a, a shot at the rotation and potentially, you know, becoming that second string offensive lineman that, that would end up playing if Van Roten or Vera Tucker were to go down, but he's also a guy like you said that I could see getting released. And, you know, I, I, my instinct is to say that he won't get released because like he's a Joe Douglas offensive lineman. That seems that that should be a protected class of citizen on this roster. He's a fourth round pick. He's only year two player. And they thought he was going to be pretty raw, but look, it is a different coaching staff. If he was really that bad. I mean, in some respects, I would respect Joe Douglas for being like, all right, it didn't work. This guy's not good. I'm not going to hold on to him. Like McCagney did with some players, you know, just to save face, you know, the first, one of the first moves that Joe Douglas made Granted, it wasn't his own pick, but he cut Ja'Kai Polite. <laughs> it's the second pick that the Jets had that year, and the, he caught him right off the bat, which was a big surprise because it was like, well, even if he's bad or he's not good in the locker room, you know, this talent is still there. Maybe they should hang on to him, given the Jets' issues at rushing the pass, or maybe, well, I was going to say maybe you could argue that wasn't the best move, but at the same time, Polite hasn't panned out. He clearly was not a good, great influence in the locker room. Joe Douglas was willing to, t- to cut ties that, that, you know, that soon. Clark is a very different situation, an offensive lineman, a guy he took. But if he's not playing well, if he was really that bad in, in practice last year and he's not a good scheme fit, he's definitely got to keep an eye out for. He's a really interesting guy to watch in those preseason games because we haven't seen him at all. So that'll be a good time for us to, to see where he's at uh, in terms of his development. Um, another thing to consider is, you know, the way you've laid things out, Michael, I would say that this offensive line is probably the best the Jets have had in a long time. Um actually that is a good point when you know when was the last offensive line that you thought was better than this current unit just heading into the season yeah i don't i don't even know if i could remember in recent memory well okay we know we know they're not better than 2010 yeah so we can start there 2011 2011 had a brutal season of wayne hunter at right tackle i don't know if you remember that at all yeah that was like but they still had ferguson and mangold you know, 2012, they were pretty well, bad. What was the last year of Mangold and Brick together? Was it 2015? 16, Mangold was there, but I think... Uh, was Clady? Wasn't 2015? Clady, Clady. Yeah, 2015 was Ferguson's last yeah. year. Yeah, because Cl- Ryan Clady and, was the left half. And I don't think... I think he was actually not that good at the end. Um, his last season. Um, so, I don't know. 2013, maybe? Well, but the unit as a whole... I think 2013, because Winter's... Uh, Winters uh, 2015 they were actually all right because Brian Winters had a pretty yeah, good season. They had a good run game that season. They yeah. were one of the top run games. Actually, the past like Fitzpatrick did not get sacked that much that year, and sacks that that's on him because he gets the ball out really quick. He's aggressive, but it was still a pretty good pass block. Uh, 2015 is probably the last time they had a respectable offensive line. <sighs> yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I think that at the very least you can say that this offensive line is a competent unit, a unit to be excited about a unit that should be raising the, the overall play of the entire team. Um, But when you look at some of the defensive line and pass rushing matchups that they're going to have to go up against, who are some of the the units that scare you on the schedule? I think, I think they did actually kind of get fortunate with the fairly easy schedule of opposing defensive lines. But, but I think like we we talked about this in our schedule breakdown, I think a while ago. I think the biggest um, determining factor in how difficult an opponent is going to be for the Jets this season is 
the quality of their pass rush because if the Jets um, offensive line is going to struggle, then I think then it's going to be tough for them to get some offense going because you want to protect your rookie quarterback. If he's protected, then the physical kill, the physical skills can shine and he doesn't have to think as quickly and as, and have as much, you know, second guessing and doubting. And, and, and we've seen that with some of the young quarterbacks we've had um, because every quarterback in the NFL is physical ability. Even if you're a rookie quarterback, you're, on the same level in terms of talent as the rest of the guys in the league, even the veterans. It's just, you need the time to get the mental aspect of it down uh, and the experience and the decision-making things like that. But if your protection is good and you're able to have the time to just allow your physical abilities to, to be showcased and the rest of those weaknesses can be um, neutralized by the pass protection playing well, then you can really thrive. And I think that Zach Wilson can do that this year. So uh, offensive line will be huge, but the toughest defensive lines on their schedule. I think the Eagles, the Broncos, the Saints are probably the toughest ones uh, on the schedule. But there are some other good ones. Miami has a pretty good front, New England. Um, but it's overall not a really hard schedule of opposing defensive lines. I would say Denver, Philly, and New Orleans are probably the toughest ones. Yeah, but overall, I feel like this this unit, you know, I, I think sometimes any fan base can be victim of overrating their players and being maybe a little bit too optimistic. Um, but I think Becton gives you all the reasons in the world to be optimistic about him if he can stay healthy. I think Vera Tucker as well fits into that boat that he's a guy that should be an immediate plug and play. Um, good left guard. I think McGovern, maybe there's some projection there, but he, hey, he was pretty good in 2019 and there's plenty of reasons to believe that he's going to be good again. Van Roden, Moses, and Fant maybe are the guys that maybe could lead to this unit's downfall if they really aren't that great. But I think you should – it's fair to expect legitimate improvement um, from this unit. How good do you think they will be? I mean, in terms of their run blocking, their pass blocking, and their overall grade uh, among other NFL teams. Well, I'll, I'll reference a, a ranking I made of all the offensive lines in the league on paper right now, starting fives. Um, I just took every starter in the league on all 32 teams, took their PFF grade, their overall PFF grade from last season, and just averaged them out and ranked everybody. And for rookies, I just took um, the average performance of rookies at the same position at taken in the same round in recent years. Um, so doing that, which is, you know, an unbiased way of doing it, uh, the Jets fared pretty well. They're run blocking. So this is the collective five starters, Becton, Vera Tucker with placeholder rookie numbers, McGovern, Van Roten, and Moses is a group I went with. Um, so the Jets in run blocking came out at eighth best. Their pass blocking came out at 19th. And overall, they landed at 15th. So I don't think that's unrealistic. Um, if thing, if everyone stays healthy, then I could definitely, I definitely think they'll be better in the run game than pass protection. Um, but overall, that is... I could definitely see that happening about league average, but good in the run game, a little bit below average in the passing game. I could absolutely see that happening. And then lastly, who do you think that they'll ultimately keep on the roster? That's a tough one. Who, who do you think? How many backups? But I think we know who are, we'll start with our locks. Becton, Vera Tucker, McGovern. 
I'm I hesitate to call Van Roten a lock. He's a lock. I feel like he is. He's a, well, even I, if he doesn't you start, can get out gonna... of him is the no, thing. Like he's you a lock. can, unless he yeah, he's probably completely sucks. But he's good depth, even if he's not going to start. He's a ninety nine percent guy. Becton, Vera Tucker, McGovern, Van Becton, Vera Tucker. I, I was uh, just doing it. You... Okay. I just want to. I just want to make it clear that I was I involved. Did... I just want to make it clear I was involved. Okay, this is, well. this is a group effort. This is a group effort. So six guys we have that are locked. How many? Well, first off, how many do you think they keep? I say they keep ten. So that's four other roster spots to compete for between Adoga, Lewis, Feeney, Clark, Hose, Levin, Hermans, Murray, and Saltes. By the way, two of those guys I had never even heard of before this podcast. <laughs> so I think we can knock off Saltes and Hermans unless they're amazing. Um. I think Lewis is ah, – I don't want to say a lot. I'll the say Lewis is, makes the team, seven. I think Feeney makes the team as the backup center, eight. I think Clark makes it at nine. And then – oh, we forgot about Connor McDermott. I didn't, I didn't mention Connor McDermott. I think McDermott makes it over Edoga at 10. Somehow I left him off yeah, the depth I, list. I would agree with that. I, the thing is you have some good versatility here, so you can go lighter if you want because Feeney can play guard and center. Fant can play either tackle spot. Um, even Clark, if I mean, I don't know if they are as confident that you can do it, but he does have tackle experience and projects to guard in the league, so he could do both conceivably. Uh, so you could go lighter if you wanted to. I feel like that this is a tough one. I'm not really sure. Um Edoga has more experience than McDermott, but he also wasn't a Douglas pick. Commits a lot of penalties. Isn't good at football, which is important. <laughs> um, Feeney, I feel like, is going to make it. Um, Definitely. I well, think, he's the only, I think he's the backup center. Yeah. He's the only guy center experience. He's definitely going to be your backup there. Fant, obviously. Um, then I guess it's between Lewis, Edoga, Clark, and McDermott. Are you keeping two of those guys or three? This this is really this is gonna be an interesting one to watch. I don't think Adoga makes it. Yeah, Adoga let's say let's say Feeney, Fant, Clark, Lewis Feeney, is your Fant. four. Yeah, Feeney, and Fant, Edoga cut. Adoga cut. I think uh, I guess Clark has tackle experience. I'm just saying you're a little light on the tackle, but I guess because I guess you have Fant, Clark has tackle experience. I guess so does Bear Tucker. Um, and you can, can stash some guys on the, the offensive line. The guy that we're completely not even talking about is Corey Levin, who at least was a, le- he was a legitimate free agent signing compared to the, you know, Jimmy Murray and Teton salt, Teton Saltes and the, those guys. Levin was a guy who's played a little bit. Um, I mean, I'm not going to do the Josh Andrews train this year. I remember talking about Josh Andrews, like, Oh, he had that one game where he was kind of good against the Colts. That's Corey Levin. He was against the Steelers. It was, uh, yeah, that, that's what I meant. He was on the Colts. He was playing against the Steelers. Um, I had that in my mind. I don't know why I said Colts, but Corey Levin has one star in his career. It was in 2018. So I'm not going to do that. How was it? How did he do? Son. Well, let's look up his grade. I don't know. I'm going to find <laughs> out right now. It was against the Chargers in 2018. Um, the peak of Sam Darnold's Jets career. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I guess you are right because he did get a like fairly a decent contract. Listen, yeah, listen to Michael Stall and multitask. Do you want me to take he over did, here? He, well, he, he did get a $920,000 contract for the one year. I don't think it's guaranteed, though. Uh, I don't think he's going to make it. I could see him making it over Lewis. 
Um, I think, I think Levin has a legitimate shot to make this roster. So, um, but I'll give Lewis the edge for now, because I think Lewis has a lot more experience. He seems to be a guy that he was actually, I think he was Joe Douglas's first move. If I recall correctly, the trade for, for Alex Lewis, right at the start of the off season in, in 2019 or right at the start of training camp in 2018. Um, yeah, I mean, overall for this unit, I guess I didn't really give much of my expectations there. Kind of just topped into to who we think they'll keep. I, I think the run blocking in this unit is going to be very good. I think that is the staple of of this Shanahan offense. I guess I should just start calling it a LaFleur offense. They're going to run the football and run play action off of it. And I think they all have the offensive line to do it. I think the Jets will be uh, among the better running offenses. I think not having a top flight running back like a Derrick Henry might limit that a little bit, but didn't really limit the Niners much. You know, I think you're going to see just a complete running back by committee. I think Michael Carter will have a nice season. I think Ty Johnson will have some moments. Tevin Coleman will be used as a receiver. So they have plenty of guys um, to be able to run an effective running offense. So I think as far as numbers, well, I'll put it this way. They're going to be an above average run blocking unit. I'll say, I say they, they crack the top 10. I think they're right at 10, 10 or nine, something around there. As far as run blocking, I think pass blocking may be a little lower, just because the right side, I'm not necessarily certain, and I don't want to overrate anybody. I could certainly see them having a great pass blocking year as well. I'll put them at middle of the pack, 16th average pass blocking. Um, so overall, that would put them as an above average unit, um, but still potentially some work, definitely some work to do at right tackle. Moses is a bit older. Fant's probably not your long-term solution. Definitely some work at right guard and maybe even at center. So there's this, this offensive line is still under construction, but I'm very confident in the left tackle, left guard of the future. And hell, maybe the center. We'll see how he performs this year. Michael, do you have Corey Levin's grade, or should we wrap this up? I do. So against the Chargers in Week 7, 2018, he had a 50.3 overall game, which is pretty bad. 63.1 run blocking, oh. 15.1 pass. Oh. <laughs> he had right. one well, penalty, maybe... four pressures given up. He actually played the second most snaps of his career was against the Jets in that game. In 2018, 37 snaps, he came in at center and played, and he didn't give up any pressures. So there you go. Actually, he gave up one, but he had a good grade in that game. So that's interesting. Well, there you have it. I think Lewis makes it over him, but certainly something to keep an eye out for. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, You can follow us at CYJPod on Twitter. You can follow Michael at Michael underscore Nania. You can follow myself at Ben W. Blessington. You can find this podcast at JetsXFactor.com. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe to the Jets X Factor YouTube. That'll do it for us. We'll be back on Monday with an episode on the quarterbacks. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great week. Six seconds. Carr going down again. And it's Quentin Williams this time for the Jets. Touchdown, most likely. Looks right. Fires a bomb down the right sideline again for Mims. What a catch by Denzel Mims.